This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, it's Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Here in Mississippi, there's a shelter-in-place order until April 20th. But while we're all spending more time at home to slow the spread of the coronavirus, the great outdoors and nature are still open for business. Spring is here, and butterflies, along with other spring creatures, are making their grand entrance. So today we'll talk with Paul Hartfield, biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, about what we could see if we get out in nature this time of year. Also, Dr. Major is on hand, ready to take your pet questions. To join our conversation, just give us a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 or email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. If you ever miss Creature Comforts on Thursdays, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning. Hope that everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh, Dr. Major, what, how are things going at the clinic? I know that the last couple of times you've been telling us that you've kind of been doing the curbside thing where you're having uh, patients kind of wait in their car, and then one of the staff member uh, comes out and, and gets the pet to uh, get the, the services done. Um, uh, uh, is that still going along, seeing the kind of settling into this new normal for the time being? Yes, it is. And it's a, uh, what shall I say, it's, it takes a little more time, a little frustrating from time to time. But uh, everyone, uh, the clients, the pet owners, have been very gracious with that, and uh, we're trying to uh, expedite as well as possible. But a lot of times it, it, it takes some extra time just to do all the different uh, things that we have to do to be able to find out what's wrong and uh, you know what, what the patient is in for. Uh, an item in the news, uh, Nadia, a four-year-old Malayan tiger at the Bronx Zoo last week, started exhibiting one of the key symptoms of the novel coronavirus, a dry cough. I, I wonder what a tiger cough sounds like. Uh, after she was tested, she was positive for the virus and is the first known infected case of an animal in the U.S., according to the CDC. I told that tiger not to rub her face, but apparently she did. Uh, but actually, Dr. Major, this is sort of interesting. Uh, how do you... how? How would it have gotten it? I mean, because, you know, as we know how it spreads, uh, maybe from an infected uh, handler or something? Yes, that would be how it was spread. I'm not sure that they actually have tracked down the actual person or whatever. You know, the the zoo is in the Bronx Zoo, and the zoo is on lockdown, so there's no uh, uh, visitors coming in. So it would have had to have been uh, exposed from a handler. Uh, and... Researching this and, and looking further, uh, cats, uh, the big cats and little cats, are able to contract the COVID-19. It's a dead-end host, though, and they cannot spread it to people. So that should be of some comfort uh, to cat owners. Dogs, on the other hand, have not been shown to be able to contract it. There's been a case or two where they thought so. But actually, the dog that was in Hong Kong, I believe. But uh, they recommend that if you have COVID-19, you need to isolate your pets away from you as well as uh, other people. And uh, as far as isolating the pets, have somebody else take care of them and don't, uh, you know, have them in your face, I guess is the best way to put it. 
Um, now, my cat is a strictly indoor cat, and I don't have the coronavirus. Uh, and so as long as he doesn't go outside, I would imagine that, that he's safe and that I, that I particularly don't have anything to worry about. Exactly. Uh, that degree of exposure, you know, where it might come from certainly would be an issue, but uh, your cat should be perfectly safe. All right. Uh, another reason maybe why we should uh, think about having cats as indoor pets only, but uh, I know some people uh, have indoor-outdoor cats and some let them outdoors, but this is something just to be a little bit aware of. But interesting also, Dr. Major, uh, the difference between cats and dogs there. Uh, another item that uh, our producer Java found uh, is the picture of the alien cat that's making the rounds on social media. Uh, she's a sphinx cat, uh, pink and hairless, and has heterochromia, a condition which means her eyes are two different colors. One is bright, icy blue, the other a more jade-like green. Dr. Major, is this a common uh, uh, condition among dogs and or cats? It's uh, fairly common. It's, it's, it's not a, uh, what shall I say, not, not enough to be you know, excited about, I guess is the best way to put it. Some of the dogs, uh, especially the Siberian Huskies and uh, uh, Australian Shepherd-type uh, dogs, will have... Uh, eye coloration, and some are heterochromic. Uh, they have one eye that might be brown and the other blue. Uh, that's, what shall I say, fairly common, but uh, in the cat, maybe a little bit uh, a little bit rare. One of the terms that's used by uh, cat fanciers or dog fanciers and breeders would be odd eye. They would have one eye, one color, and the other eye, a different color. And incidentally, people can have the same condition as well. I think I like heterochromia better. That that just sounds better than odd eye, I think. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Uh, Libby and Paul, want to check in with you. Thanks again for joining us. So what are you seeing uh, in your neck of the woods these days? Oh, we're seeing lots and lots of butterflies, and we've got a list of those. And, uh, uh, of course, a lot of birds and hearing a lot of birds. Uh, we kind of keep up with the first time we've seen something in the spring or the season, and we we got our indigo bunting this morning and a wood thrush this morning. So we're doing good. All right. I know I've heard uh, woodpeckers, They uh, every year they seem to find uh, the the metal downspout on my house and, and love uh, rap, rapping on it. So uh, I, I at least have heard, yes. heard those a couple of times, and that's that's about my extent in terms of, of my bird identification, but that's always an easy one for me to identify. Yeah, they like to make a lot of noise year-round, but particularly in the spring. We had a, a, a great show yesterday morning. We had a, a red-bellied woodpecker that came to our feeders and was hanging upside down on the side of the feeders and reaching up and grabbing sunflower seeds hmm. and then flying into the little tree next to the feeder and breaking them open. It was uh, He did that for about an hour, didn't he? Really? Yeah. That was very unusual. We've never seen that before, but I've heard of him doing that before. Well, I'm going to have to get uh, my recording device because there is. Uh, this has been the ways for several years. There's one kind of bird i don't know what it is but they always seem to make a lot of noise very early in the morning so between uh the early morning birds and the fact that my cat seems to you know like all cats do loves the early morning to prowl around i, I sometimes have a little trouble uh, staying asleep in the morning but like i said I'll, i'm going to try to get an audio recording of those birds and see if someone can't help me identify what i might be having uh and what appears to be right outside my window although i don't think that's exactly the case so yeah or even jot down kind of what you remember soon 
right after they sing it, if you'll kind of write down what you remember about, you know, how shrill it was or melodious. Yeah, if you can and uh, just kind of get the the cadence or the rhythm of it, it that helps you identify it. All right. Our first loud bird that might wake you up here is the Carolina wren. But if you're in the city, I imagine one of your first bird, loud birds, is going to wake you up. Will be the um, um, mockingbird. Okay. All right. Well, I have some homework to do. I, I will try to do that, and, and we'll report back uh, next Thursday. We've got some. Fun- you know, with the yeah, with the mockingbird, they're going to repeat the sounds three times, three or four times. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've got some calls to get to. Let's start with uh, Rebecca, who's in Jackson. Good morning, Rebecca. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. I don't know if you know anything about young dogs, but I have uh, three um, dachshunds, and we recently got two are old, 15 and 13, and then we got a new one who is less than a year old, and the older two are boys, and she's a girl. Well, she has to stay in her kennel quite a bit because she wants to be the alpha female, and um I was just wondering, are there some tips that I could do? Like when we let her out, she goes straight to the window and barks at all the everybody that walks by. So, are there is there anything I can do to kind of get her settled down to where she could be like in lazy mode, like the older the older boys? That's a great question, and it, it occurs uh, <laughs> occurs frequently when you have <laughs> older animals and then then a young one. Uh, she's she's really uh, probably full of energy. They're they're yeah. wanting to take it easy and sleep a good bit, I imagine. And uh, yeah. to get to get her to sleep is 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 probably a, a real chore, especially when you're up and around. I would do all, all right. you can to exercise her. Uh, I don't know if you're able if she likes to play uh, fetch or anything along that line. Uh, you might kind of teach her to you know chase a ball and bring it back to you. Uh, okay, that's a walk, great idea. Walk her as much as possible. Uh, it's 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 a puppy thing. How old is she now? She's she's just at eleven months. Okay, and she's she's got a lot of energy to work off. But uh, just think of ways that you can uh, play with her and wear her out, if you will. Uh, yeah. We have we have a young dog, and uh, it's kind of funny. She will, if you get her out and really play with her, and she gets to run and all this stuff, and she does figure eights. You know, she just gets so excited out on a pretty good sized screen porch, and uh, she uh, after that she's like conked out. She'll she'll take a nap. Uh, so it's its way out, I believe, but just do as much as you can to encourage her to exercise. And, uh, that will, that will, that will get, she'll get over that eventually. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks Enjoy hearing y'all. All All right. Good to hear from you, Rebecca. It's time for our first break of the hour. When we return, we'll welcome back Paul Hartfield to the show. We're going to talk about uh, what nature has for us this spring when it comes to butterflies, birds, and other creatures. So stay tuned. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Our guest for the hour, biologist Paul Hartfield from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. If you want to join the conversation with a question or comment, you can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Got some phone calls to get to. Let's uh, start uh, in Oxford. Uh, Linda's on the line. Good morning, Linda. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, actually, my story involves a cat and a hawk. I uh, always enjoy hearing uh, the entire program, Dr. Majors and Libby and Paul. Uh, but I, yesterday, we, ha- we live out here in the woods. And yesterday in the afternoon, I heard a loud noise on the front porch, or the back porch, where our cat was lying in a chair asleep. I heard this loud noise like a crash out there. And I looked out the window, and there was a large bird. I'm sure it was a hawk of some sort, just flying just away from the porch. Now, that porch is about 12 or 15 feet off the ground, so it's kind of up in the air. But the hawk had about a two-foot, maybe, wing spread, and all I could see the tops of its wings. And it had a dark, the tops of the wings were dark, but at the edge, the very edge of each wing was a triangle of white. And so I went out on the porch, and there was a very, very fluffed-up cat in the chair where it had been sleeping, on alert, very fluffed up and looking up. So I don't know if that hawk had come onto the porch and thought maybe that cat was a little rodent lying there or what. (laughs) That's an interesting story. Yeah, I want to know what that hawk was up to. That's pretty funny. All right. So what kind of, I want to know what kind of hawk it was. Uh, if I can, all the, all the bird books show the underside of hawk's wings and not the top. Yes. Yeah, because you're usually seeing them fly. Okay, you're saying there was a triangle of light color? White, just white. Tell me again. You know, she said it was a big hawk, so it would have to be something like a red tail or a... Well, it's going to look big if it's leaving the porch, no matter what it is. To, <laughs> um, tell, tell me again about what you saw on the top end, the top edge of the wing. It was dark. Uh, I couldn't tell if it was very, it, what didn't seem modeled, you know, real, it really modeled with light. It was dark. And then the edge, the wing seemed to point a little bit. And at the very end, maybe... Uh, Three or four, you know, it's that distance. It was I was probably thirty feet away from it. It's hard to tell, but uh, maybe three or four inches of a white triangle at the very end of the wings on the top. At the end of the wing, no, so not up at the shoulder. At the no, end no, no. The it was at the very tips of the wings. No idea. Oh, I do not know. I will look. Oh, yeah, we've got a. a an online book open right here on the iPad, but we'll, I'll look at some other things and maybe one of our listeners knows exactly what that was. Give us a call if somebody knows. <laughs> well, I'd sure like to know, but I have one other question, if I may. Go ahead. A, a bird question. We have a lot of barred owls we've been hearing lately, 
But and I would like to know what that laugh at the end of their bard that bard owl call means. It only happens occasionally, of course, but I, I know what you're talking about, and I don't know what it means. I don't speak barred out very well. <laughs> I think um, these are very happy. Yeah, that's how. Maybe they sound each other. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's an eerie sound, particularly if you hear that about the time you hear a screech owl. <laughs> they can make some unusual sounds, can't they? <laughs> well, thank you very much. If anybody has any information about that uh, owl, we have seen an owl around the house uh, up here in the woods before, and I've tried to identify it, but I haven't been able to. All right. We'll mention it on air if somebody lets us know. Thanks. All right, Linda, thanks for your call. Uh, let's move on. Next, we'll uh, visit with uh, Mary, who is also called in from Oxford today. Good morning, Mary. Go ahead. Hi, and hello, Linda. <laughs> um, I was wondering about vitamin D for animals. I was reading somewhere that... Um, Cats and dogs do not absorb vitamin D from the sun. Is that true? Dr. Major? Yes. Uh, that That is generally, I would say, yes, that's true. A good vitamin supplement should have some vitamin D in it. Uh, there are various uh, vitamin supplements. Uh, I would say that in general they're, they're not deficient uh, in their foods. But uh, I, I, I give my, my dogs a uh, vitamin supplement just to be sure that they're getting adequate uh, trace minerals and the vitamins. How about horses and cows? Horses and cows. I don't believe uh, that's an issue with the horses and cows. I think they're able okay. to synthesize. Okay. Okay. And... Um, I had another question uh, about the tiger. How are they treating the tiger? Apparently, more than one tiger uh, became infected. I don't think they checked them all, but they had the similar symptoms, the cough and upper respiratory type situation. And they have it is resolved uh, pretty much on its own, as I understand. Hmm. All right, Mary, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, visiting today with biologist Paul Hartfield. We're going to be talking about some of the creatures we're seeing in the spring, but also looking for your questions, pet questions, also your brushes with wildlife and your encounters with nature. Uh, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go next to Dee, who's called in from Eupora this morning. Go ahead, Dee, you're on the air with us. Hi, I love your show. Thank you. I just wanted to uh, share some animals that I have seen without even going on a walk. I've seen them right out my window. Uh, I see all manner of birds, in particular two mockingbirds, and they are building a nest. I've seen uh, a number of butterflies. I saw a rabbit cross. Um, the street. Now, I live in a neighborhood. I live in a community, but for some reason, there's a lot of movement with the animals, I guess because it's spring. And the next day, I saw a large raccoon. I saw a skink. I saw, uh, I see azaleas and roses. And last year, just looking out my window, I saw a pileated woodpecker. 
so you don't always have to get out. I do take a walk uh, every day, but these are just things that I've seen right out the window. All right, uh, Dee, thanks that for your call. That's good. You're yeah. paying attention. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's uh, one of the silver linings of sheltering in place is we have some time on our hands, most of us do, and so maybe we can stop and observe some of the things uh, that we might not have um, normally uh, looked for uh, in the daily course of our lives. So we appreciate that uh, list of things that you've been seeing. Uh, as I mentioned today, Paul Hartfield, our guest, uh, the biologist. Paul, you know, you're a frequent uh, guest on the show, and now that we are sheltering in place, uh, maybe you could become a, a semi-permanent uh, addition to Creature Conference. Well, that's up to Libby to decide that, <laughs> but it is very convenient, I think, and she does uh, encourage me when she doesn't have another guest lined up. It's hard to get guests nowadays with everybody sheltering in place, but I tell you, the, the uh, like that lady said, looking through your window, if you're sitting still or even outside or particularly inside through a window, you'll see a lot of things just sitting still and observing. And that's what we're finding this, this spring in a time of coronavirus is we um, sit on our porch a lot. And we sit still, watch the birds, watch the wildlife and the butterflies. Uh, we just had a monarch fly by. That's uh, very encouraging because, as I'm sure all our listeners know, since Libby's had the monarch lady on here before. Yeah, Audrey Harrison. Audrey. Um that they've been declining or they had been declining greatly. And in fact, it's been several years since I've seen a, a, a monarch butterfly here. And we've seen one or two or three every day this week. So that's very encouraging. They may be making a comeback or we're just spending more time in the yard watching. I'm not sure which it is. So uh, we're going to be talking about a little bit about butterflies. Uh, is is the butterfly an insect? And if so, what kind of, of what kind of bug is a butterfly? Let me put it that way. Well, it's in the order Lepidoptera, which means scaly wings. It is an insect. Uh, bug is a generic term mm-hmm. that generally encompasses all insects, uh, but it can also be a lot of people use bugs to refer to millipedes, centipedes, roly polies, mm-hmm. things like that. So it's kind of a more generic bird. Uh, or word so insect is 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 better uh, lepidoptera like i say that means scaly wings they have little tiny scales on their wings which uh glow in the in the light which gives them their remarkable some species a remarkable coloration uh how many species of butterflies do we have here in mississippi Ooh, uh here in Mississippi, let's see, I've got that written down here. There's about 140, 40, I think, right? 140, yeah. I think. And uh, that changes a little bit. Uh, I don't think anybody's found recently any new big butterflies in the state, but the tiny little butterflies, sometimes we find new things. Uh, the little skippers, and uh, there are all kinds of tiny little lepidopterans that uh, sometimes go unnoticed. I know we've had Richard Brown on the radio show in the past. He's from Mississippi State Entomology Museum, and he studies tiny little moths, which, um, so he finds a new species. I think anytime he has the time to really uh, concentrate on it, he can find a new one, it seems. You know, but, the, uh, uh, there are enough butterflies that you're going to see them yeah. pretty often. On the little ones, little tiny ones, there's some really interesting ones. A lot of them are kind of gray, and you just don't see them. But there mm-hmm. are some. There's a green one, a little tiny green butterfly. 
and there are also yeah. some beautiful little tiny blue butterflies. So yeah, the little be, the little blue, the corner blue, uh, right. the green ones are 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 quite often hair streaks. What are called hair streaks, but they're absolutely gorgeous. Troy, you're absolutely right. right. If you can get up close to them and see them. Um, one of the ways to do that is with binoculars if you don't want to catch them and hurt them. So use your binoculars to look at those guys. The small things we're seeing now are, are fairly nondescript. Most of them, they're the little satyrs called satyr butterflies. Um, the gem satyrs flitting around right now, the Carolina. I think we've seen little wood satyrs, but I'm not sure because I haven't wanted to catch them. Uh, but if you walk in the woods or in your yard, if you see little brown things or grayish-looking things flit up in front of you, um, those are probably satyr butterflies. And they stay pretty low to the ground. Yeah. Another small one that's out right now is the Pearl Crescent. We just started seeing them last week, I believe. So they've, they've just started coming out. They're a, a very colorful orange butterfly that you can see pretty easily when they land. But they're not much more than three-quarters of an inch in size of that. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We've got another phone call to get to. Looks like we've got a pet question lined up for Dr. Major coming from Jennifer in Tupelo. Good morning, Jennifer. Thanks for holding. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Good morning. I have a three-year-old cat that had um, a declawing method by laser done three months ago, and she still has some stitches in her paws that are not dissolving. Should we be concerned? I would say, not knowing exactly what type of stitches were used, uh, you should really take her back probably to your vet and have them removed if you could. Uh, it's possible you could remove them yourself. But uh, some of these things that are supposedly self-absorbable don't absorb very rapidly. You know, usually with a cat, she would have already pulled them out, but she's been real good. Uh, so it might be wise when you can to get her back to your vet and let them take that those stitches out. Okay, thank you. Thanks for your call. Welcome. Jennifer, time for another break. Uh, if you've had a recent breath with nature that do you want to report to us, we'd love to hear from you. Also, what species of butterflies are you seeing in your yard right now? We have Libby and Paul Hartfield here today, and Dr. Major's ready to take some pet questions, so stay tuned. Call with your questions and comments. The number is one mpb ring It's one 877 672-7464 or email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more, so stay tuned. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Libby Harfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. And you're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Our guest for the hour is Paul Hartfield. If you want to join our conversation, you can give us a call. The phone number is one eight seven seven MPB Ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. You know, Paul Libby, I think that you had said before that you're out on your porch, and what I like is that we can hear nature going on in the background behind you. And before we went to that last break, there was some bird that was making a lot of noise, a lot of calls, songs. Do you know what bird we were hearing uh, before the break there? 
Yeah, that was a red-winged blackbird. And he comes fairly often to the theater, and he's um, he's loud, and he kind of runs people off. And we were laughing because we had a pair of uh, cowbirds, and they're usually pretty bossy, and they run people off, run all the other birds off. But when he came down, he got rid of them right away. So he... <laughs> the the other bird uh, also very loud. There was a, a partial cardinal song in the background that you may have heard. And then we had a wide-eyed vireo singing right outside the porch, too. So we've got all these beautiful songs going on, and there's a woodpecker drumming right now. I, I yeah, hear that, yeah. That's, uh, that's great because, uh, like I said, it's providing nature a, a natural soundtrack there for creature comforts uh, when you join us from your, your porch there. Uh, we're going to go back to the phone lines, and our friend Bill from Greenwood is on the line. Good morning, Bill. Go ahead. Oh, yes, I was going to. Yeah, Miss Libby, what was that bird in the background there? Uh, did you say it was a red wing blackbird? Yes, yes, it was. Or or a cardinal. The, but they were both well, making noise. but I ne- I've never heard him make that sound before. Must be a different variety or something. I don't know, but uh... well, you know, all birds, uh, a lot of birds make a lot of different sounds, and that's what I always have difficulty with. I have to relearn my birds every spring because. They may start out with a partial song or uh, half a song, and then as the summer progresses and as the nesting season progresses, they, they tend to develop the song more and more. So, And that was not, with, with the red-winged blackbird, a lot, you hear that out in the field where there are a lot of them, you'll hear that kind of, what we always said, Uncle Little, Uncle Little. You're, you may be familiar with that sound, but this was just a, like a get out of my way. Yeah, he was just what I say. He's fussing. He was uh, <laughs> he was kind of telling other birds to get out of his way because he wanted that feeder. He gets down in the feeder and, you know, digs around. So I think that's not a normal call that you would just hear when he's setting out in a field. Yeah. Well, I heard uh, my wife thought it's fair. My, one of my favorite birds, I heard it yesterday. Just very briefly near dark, but it's been warm. Why haven't they been out, you know, uh, singing? They they, they don't be here here, but they just not sing, singing. Do you know why? Um, well, gosh, ours have been singing, so I'm not sure why yours aren't. But it is it is still early yet. Some birds are not ready to make the nest. Of course, some of them have already gotten started for a while now. Uh, bluebirds have eggs, but um. So I really can't answer why you don't hear your singing right now. Uh-huh. I, now, um, early in the morning, I tend to hear a lot more song. Are you yes, getting out early enough? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Early in the morning, I hear a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. Some uh, some birds don't sing until they're ready to start nesting. They'll be here. Uh, Toey's a great example. The um, eastern Toey. They're, they're uh, what would you call, clucking a lot or chipping a lot, but they're not singing yet. But they're all over the place. You see them, but they're not singing yet. All right, to Bill, thanks uh, for your call. Always good to hear from you in Greenwood. Uh, we're going to stay on the phone lines next. Uh, why don't we go to uh, Bob, who has called in from the road this morning. Go ahead, Bob. You're on the air with us. Kevin, great show. Appreciate Thank you. It. All right. We're, sequest- we're sequestered hunkered down in our courtyard in uh, New Orleans. Uh, and uh, uh, my lady friend Turnipseed has uh, gone way over budget on milkweed. 
and we've got a whole bunch of caterpillars gnawing them up. And my question, right. yeah, my question to uh, uh, Libby and Paul is, uh, how what's the gestation period of of those little critters in a cocoon? When do we need to anticipate them showing up as monarch butterflies? Oh, okay. Are, are are they already in cocoons now? Some some are some are on in cocoons, but not all. Yours are earlier than ours. Then, of course, that makes sense because it's warmer where you are. Probably, I've not found a cocoon yet, uh, and I think Bill chrysalis or chrysalis. I I'm pretty sure that that depends on weather conditions. They okay. It, how long they're a caterpillar eating depends very much on how much food they find and how warm it is because they're going to eat quicker and eat more, more active if it's warmer. So depending on how warm the days are. So I can't give you an exact time. It's not like eggs that just yeah. hatch yeah. after, you know, 14 days or something. With a caterpillar, they, it tends to have to do with how long they eat how much they can eat, and then in the cocoon, it has to do with how warm it is. Yeah. Isn't that right? This time of year, if it's on milkweed and if they're monarchs, I would say give it a, a, a probably a week for the caterpillar stage and a little less for the chrysalis stage. If Audrey's listening, she can call in and tell us exactly. But um, I know a lot of people raise those. We, we've never gotten into raising the, the butterflies there- because we haven't seen them. Paul, is there a time of the day when we would be more, more able to catch them uh, crawling out of their cocoon, or do they come uh, not, out around? The not that I, not that I know of. Um, I, I think it's pretty much when they're ready, they're coming out. Okay. Um, some things seem. I mean, you know, you, I, I used to work a lot with dragonflies, and I used to think, well, they emerged in the morning, but that's not really true. You, you just tend to see more of them in the morning because it's still cool and they're just hanging on these recent emergence. But if you're out there all day, you'll see them coming out all times of day. So I, I, I doubt if time of day has anything to do with it. Oh, okay. Anybody uh, knows good. any better, thank, they can Thank you for us. that information. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Thanks, Bob, for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Been a busy day on the phone. We always like to hear from you folks uh, listening at home or wherever you may be listening to us from. Next, we're going to get to John from Jackson. John, thanks for holding. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Go ahead. I've got uh, a very unusual situation. Uh, I've got miniature goats, and I had one that was born three to four weeks ago, and the front hooves are turning inward. Um, I, I've talked to several veterinarians. They said, well, splint it, but you got to be careful because of the knuckle. It, uh, they said somebody it might uh, cut off the blood flow. But is there anything that I could do? Uh, we tried massaging it uh, several times during the day, but it, they're still turned inward. Right. <clears throat> it, when the little, little goat walks, is he putting his... Uh that first joint on the ground rather than the hoof? No, sir. The, the hoof's on the ground. Okay, okay. You know, splinting would be the only thing that I could think of that would help, uh, and you do have to be careful. You don't want to uh, make too tight. Uh, but that's, that's you know, that's an unusual situation. First time I've heard of something like that uh, with, with a baby goat. 
but uh, you've already consulted people that probably know more about goats than I do, but uh, I would say that splinting probably is the best way if you can do it. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you so very much. Thanks for your call, John. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We've got some open phone lines if you want to join our conversation this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. Just send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, next on the line is Doug calling in from Paris, Mississippi. Good morning, Doug. You're on the air with us. Good morning. How are you all doing? We're doing good. What do you have for us? I got a little story that probably nobody would believe. All right, go ahead. <laughs> My mom-in-law come over to see her daughter several years ago with a little chihuahua, little bitty one called P-Type. And they talked a while, and Mama started walking home, and she walked out in the pasture, cutting across, headed to her house. And we got a family of red-tailed hawks out here. And I watched that red-tailed hawk swoop down and get that dog lit up in the tree and picked it apart. Family still doesn't believe it. What What do our panel of experts say? It's possible. <laughs> well, that big old red-tailed hawk swooped down and grabbed that dog, and it was yipping, 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 lit up in that big old dead oak tree out there and proceeded to make a meal on it. Right. How about how, that? How, how, oh much the, how much did the little dog weigh? Do you know? Oh gosh, probably pound, maybe pound and a half at the utmost. Right. Uh, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, these hawks can uh, and and owls can pick up four, around forty percent of their weight. Is that correct? Uh, that's what I've heard. It'd right. be tough to pick up a dog that big. They, I, I've heard of them killing them, but I can't imagine they could fly off with them. But um, I can. I, I can mean, see things how, are possible. I can see how your story probably is true. I'm not doubting that at all. Not a lot of times, a lot of times, a lot of times, the uh, the hawk or owl will do more damage with its talons and really, really hurt uh, a small dog, and maybe yeah. even pick them up off of the ground for a little ways and then drop them because they couldn't carry them. But yes, I. That's a sad story. Okay. It wasn't, but like yeah, a, yeah, and I just, I just look it up, Troy. Red tail's about forty ounces, a little less than forty. So yeah, I could pick up a pound. And Doug, right. this is uh, Java uh, here in the in the booth, and uh, Paul Libby and, and Doctor Major. I can attest with Doug and believe his story because my wife's um, uh, Chihuahua um, almost got picked up by an owl one night um, at the house, and I never seen that dog run inside the house <laughs> so scared before because that owl was not playing, and it was gonna it was gonna get him if he if it had a chance to. <laughs> Uh oh! <clears throat> so watch out for your little bitty dogs. <laughs> so, Doug, I would say keep telling that story. We, you've got the experts of Creature Comforts that backed you up and said that that's that could possibly have happened. So we appreciate you giving us a call, and we're we're all behind you on that story. So keep sharing it with your with friends and family. It is time for another break. Uh, if you missed any part of today's show, you can subscribe to the podcast using any podcasting app. Search for Creature Comforts. Or you can download the MPB Public Media app. We're going to be back to wrap things up after the after this. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. 
I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and Paul Hartfield. We've been talking about butterflies and taking your questions. I've been a very busy day on the phones. And again, always love to hear from you as you're listening uh, to share your stories and your questions with us. Let's uh, jump right back on the phone lines, and we welcome our friend Sue from Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. I'm glad to talk to you all. Um, I want to ask a quick question about a bird and about a, a monarch. First, the bird, a few weeks ago, I saw this bright blue bird light on the bushes out in the back, and it had the same bright blue plumage that a, that a, uh, a, a jay might have, but it was blue all over it, and I, I've never seen that before. I was just, I was just all, in awe because it was so beautiful. Blue all over, and it was just gorgeous. It wasn't a little songbird. It was a good-sized bird. Can you, what could that have been? Uh, it could be a blue grosbeak. Or it could be an indigo. I, I was about to say indigo, but when you said it was a good-sized bird, a blue grosbeak is um, very, very blue. It's not very big, but it can appear big just because it's so bright and such a bright burst of yeah. color. So I imagine that's what you saw. Look that up if you have a bird book or can get online. But it was um, probably a blue grosbeak or they an indigo bird. Is it a migrating bird, uh, Libby? Yes. Yes. Both of them are. Yeah, I never saw that before. And I want to ask a question about, about butterflies. Last year I was out there on the carport and I saw a couple of butterflies. I thought there were monarchs go by, but I had a visitor and she said, no, there is a, a butterfly that looks so much like a monarch. They call it like a, a false monarch or a fake monarch. Mm-hmm. Are there any butterflies that look so much like a monarch that you could mistake one for the other? Yes, you could mistake a, a viceroy. Uh, generally, the monarch's going to be bigger than the viceroy, but a viceroy looks a good bit like it. Oh, and I got an answer to Bob's question, because you might want to know this too, Sue. Uh, the chrysalis stage usually lasts about 10 days. Hmm. So the, the caterpillar grows as long as he can eat, and then when he gets to a certain size, he'll make the chrysalis, and he stays in there about 10 days. But yes, there, and now there's several uh, butterflies that are orange, uh, we've been seeing the goatweed butterfly here, and it's it's almost completely orange, and the monarch doesn't have as much orange. But but the viceroy actually mimics the monarch. You know, monarchs are are uh, toxic. They t- they don't taste good to birds. That's why they're so bright, and birds learn them. And the um, viceroy mimics the coloration of the monarch, and that way it avoids predation. Uh, we haven't seen any viceroys yet this this um, this year, but they feed on willows, and they should be coming out pretty soon. All right, uh, Sue. We Does appreciate- that help, Sue? Yeah. Yes, it did. All right. Good to hear from you, Sue. Thanks for giving us a call. Uh, let's stay on the phone lines next, and uh, Jim is in Madison, I think, has some more butterfly information for us. Jim, go ahead. Good morning. I have a, uh, an answer to another of Bob's questions. I've uh, raised a lot of monarch butterflies from caterpillar to butterfly stage, and almost invariably the chrysalis will break and the butterfly will emerge within a few minutes, one side or the other, 
of 10.30 in the morning. Wow. wow. Almost almost always. That's interesting. It's right. fascinating. And, and by the way, that, that green chrysalis with the gold band is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in nature. Oh. Yes. Aren't they? They're jewels. They're really beautiful. They really are. They would make gorgeous earrings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Jim, thanks for that information. That, that's a fascinating fact that you share with us. And I imagine Bob is still listening from New Orleans and can uh, get that information. Uh, this is Creature Comforts. We've got a lot of phone calls to get to. And next we'll talk with Jack in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Jack. Go ahead, please. Yes, uh, good morning. Uh, my wife and I are in our backyard in Hattiesburg. We have uh, We live in an area where it's very... A lot of trees, There's, we have about 40, 50-plus foot trees, and we are observing a couple of, of uh, hawks that we're not able to identify even with our binoculars. But one of them is nest sitting, while the other one, and he's big and plump, or she, and I think the other one is going around trying to build a nest because every once in a while we turn around and we see the other one flying with, with twigs in his mouth. Um, is this nesting time for hawks? Yes, so. it is definitely nesting time for hawks, yes. And uh, he could be just shoring up the nest. She could have started laying eggs and sitting on the nest, and he is bringing more sticks to the nest. So I would think that's probably what's happening. I see. Thank you very much. One last thing. A few years ago, I called about uh, 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 foxes and all of this. Couldn't get rid of them. It turned out they were coyotes. I went to the zoo. I got giant. Uh, uh, they gave me some cat dung, big cat dung. I spread it all over my property, and they never came around again. Uh-huh. I don't know what <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Thank you once again. All right. Good to hear from you, Jack. Thanks for your call. Uh, next, we have on the line uh, Louise, who's called in from Meridian. Good morning, Louise. You're on the air with us. Good morning. How are you? We're doing good. What do you have for us? I'm wondering if there is a bird that has a call like a whippoorwill. Yes. They're, they're, uh, yeah, Chuck Will's widow. It'll, it's a, just a, a little variation. Instead of whippoorwill, it's Chuck Will's widow. Okay. And uh, it's actually called the Chuck Wheels Widow. And, and they're coming right now. They should be both Whipple Wheels and Chuck Wheels Widows. Should, should be arriving right about now. Yeah. And I'm used to hearing the Whipple Wheels at the end of the day. Would I be hearing it during the day? Or would that be the Chuck, Chuck Wheels Widow should be about the same time. Yeah, it'll be in the evening, too. Generally in the okay. evening and at night, uh, early, early evening, early night, whatever. Okay, but there's not one that I would be hearing during the day. Now, every now and then, either one will call during the day. Okay. If they're, All right. s- they're setting up territories and attracting mates, they could call earlier in the day, but it's more common to hear them at, the end at of the dusk. Okay. Do you think a mockingbird could make that sound? Oh, I guess you're uh, right. A mockingbird can make any sound, can't they? Yeah, but right. they, would, they would have a different They wouldn't just sing it. I was just thinking about in the day, though, that maybe that's what she was hearing. Yeah, and I'm yeah. hearing it on up, you know, in the middle of the day and, and whatever, and I thought that was unusual for a whippoorwill. So maybe I have heard of Chuck Will's widow um, in the middle of the day before. 
All right, Louise, we appreciate that call. Uh, just got about uh, less than a minute left. Paul, could you give us maybe a quick tip on how, if you wanted to attract butterflies to your yard, you would go about doing so? Um, well, you can. We, we've tried some sugar water. Uh, sometimes that'll do it, but mainly it's by planting uh, nectar plants, things that will attract some of the butterflies. Now, not all butterflies eat nectar. A lot of them will come to uh, dung heaps from from maybe with your tiger dung <laughs> you can get some butterflies that way um, but generally it's through plants through host plants for the larvae or through nectaring plants for the the species that, that nectar um we, yeah kevin we didn't even begin to touch the butterflies today maybe i will have to come back okay time. <laughs> it's a date that's for sure that's going to wrap All us right. up for today creature comforts is a production of mississippi public broadcasting think radio funding provided in part by listeners just like you to hear today's show or previous show you can go to mpbonline.org slash creature comforts our show was engineered uh, and produced by Java Chapman and our call screener was Liz Gill. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Major, and Paul Hartfield, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next at 10. It's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.